Hey, my name is Lorena, and I'm a comedian. Also, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> what? Who said that? Okay, yeah, I am gay. Gay, 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 gay. Well, so coming out to immigrant parents was just really tough. You get it. There's a cultural divide, different kinds of pressures. I grew up with Kid Rock. They grew up with Walter Mercado. My sister, when I came out to her, she was great. My dad, he actually was really great with it. And my mom took a little bit more time. In her defense, I did come out to her at the gym. So if you can avoid being dressed like a lumberjack when you come out of the closet. That might help the situation. But you know what? After a couple years, she got a lot better. And now she only calls me J Balvin like once a month. So happy Pride, everyone. June, of course, is Pride Month, an annual celebration of LGBTQ visibility and an acknowledgement of a community's ongoing fight for acceptance and equality. The question we're asking people for pride is on a scale of one uh, to ten. Ten being so queer, you're just like actually vomiting rainbows. Where do you fall on the spectrum? Uh, probably closer to ten. Oh, okay, great. Okay, Francis, congratulations. I mean, I'm straight, <laughs> but Francis. Okay, why do you identify as a ten? Um, I mean, I think I just I've like known I'm like this my whole life, so like I don't know, just embrace it. <laughs> Where do you fall on the spectrum? One. Oh, oh, one. Oh, great. Why do you identify as a one? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm straight, but, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have nothing against it. Like, it's yeah. people's choice, you know, at the yeah, end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. How queer are you? Ten being super queer. Um, I'd say I'd fall at an eight. Oh, why do you fall at an eight? Um, I take that back. I'm a ten. I'm a twelve. <laughs> 13. Okay. 14. <laughs> well, I was raised by lesbians, and I identify as a lesbian, and I don't know if it gets much gayer than that. While the history of LGBTQ people extends back to the dawn of humankind, the first ever Pride celebration occurred on June 28, 1970, honoring the one-year anniversary of the 1969 Stonewall Riots. The riots flared when LGBTQ patrons of the Stonewall Inn became fed up with being targeted and harassed by police. So, they fought back, resulting in four nights of rioting and many say the birth of the modern LGBTQ plus liberation movement. But where exactly are we today? And what does Pride mean in 2021? So it's Pride Month and there's celebrations all over the country. We're here in Miami at Wynwood Pride and we're going to find out what Pride means to everybody. So what does Pride mean for you? I think Pride is about self-love and self-acceptance. It means being yourself, not being afraid of who you are and expressing in a community that hugs you in every single possible way. June's for us and we're going to celebrate no matter where you are, gay, lesbian, bi, non-binary, non-gender, trans, you're welcome, let's celebrate, let's live love. Pride is about being yourself and giving zero about what anyone thinks. The organization I represent, Yes Institute, Pride is very important to raise awareness, especially for young people in our community that may be dealing with mental health, suicidal ideation, or struggling with acceptance from their family and their parents. Pride means expression, it means love. It means finding community in people that you never would have expected. Pride to me means just genuinely being yourself and never letting anyone get in the way of that. Pride means living your truth in your most authentic way. That's what pride means to me. Happy Pride! Thank you. Oh, no. 
These days, many American cities and companies go all out for pride, with businesses plastering rainbows all over their buildings and storefronts and logos and merchandise. Because after decades of ignoring these celebrations, corporate America has turned the month into yet another opportunity to market to the masses. These are the worst Pride collections I've ever seen. The Under Armour collection just feels wrong. What better way to celebrate Pride than wearing the favorite brand of the guys who bullied you in high school? So they made a bunch of pronoun shirts, but like with all the pronouns, why didn't they make ones with like separate pronouns? Because this is not helpful. Let's break some rainbow capitalism. Now we're gonna start off strong with Disney because as far as rainbow capitalism goes, this is pretty much the best example. Not only are they donating proceeds to queer organizations that are all laid out on their websites, there is merch for everybody. There's Star Wars, there's Marvel, there's Disney. While increased visibility of the LGBTQ community is generally a positive thing, a lot of the rainbow washing, also called pink washing of businesses, has been criticized for being inauthentic. Pink washing or pride washing would be like when a company completely changed their logo to like have, you know, incorporate more rainbows and like the stereotypical like sort of pride visuals just to attract um, the LGBT market. We should be doing education, you know, the educational research groundwork on these brands and these companies who are pinkwashing and, and are trying to seem more inclusive than they really are. I think there was like two or three companies that, you know, have rainbow flags incorporated on their logos this season for Pride who have donated to anti-LGBT legislators and who have given tons of money to, you know, the people who are trying to take our rights away. And I think that deserves to be called out, you know, and that deserves to be brought out into the light. On the other hand, there are brands who have definitely supported us, who have donated tons of money um, and resources to the community at N, you know, are actually helping to give us visibility. So I think it's just a question of like doing your research and knowing like what this brand truly stands for behind closed doors. Are they hiring trans people? Are they inclusive? You know, ask those questions, send those emails, you know, and, and inquire about it. With Pride becoming so mainstream, the real issues facing the LGBTQ plus community can get glossed over. And given that 2021 was dubbed the worst year for anti-LGBTQ legislation in recent history by Human Rights Campaign, the community and its allies can't afford to lose sight of what's actually at stake. 2021 is the worst year for anti-LGBTQ bills in recorded history. Uh, we have more than 300 bills that have been introduced in more than 40 states across the country. Uh, these bills range from denying transgender people the right to participate in sports to denying public school teachers from being able to teach about LGBTQ issues or people. In order for our community, the Latinx community, LGBTQ community, to be able to be fully protected anywhere in the United States, we need to pass the Equality Act. The Equality Act will create a better, more equitable America, not just for LGBTQ people, but for women, for people of color, and people of all faiths. The Equality Act will add sexual orientation and gender identity to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It is important that we add 
sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes so there is no discrimination legal discrimination against any anybody from the lgbtq community in all different states right now arizona lawmakers are once again proposing a no promo homo law a term that's just as problematic as it sounds with the introduction of hb 2035 the bill would essentially warp the history taught in schools by banning discussion of LGBTQ-related issues, such as sex ed classes, without parental consent. Parents would need to give permission for their kids to learn about historical events, like the riots at Stonewall. And teachers could be fined up to $5,000 for discussing things like the life of Harvey Milk or the Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage. If only we could find people for talking about Benefer 2.0. Laws like the proposed HB 2035 are troubling for so many reasons, including deepening the stigma that LGBTQ teens face under the guise of respecting a parent's control over how and when their children learn about gender identity and sex. It was working at BuzzFeed. I sat down with one of the, uh, the producers who I really trusted, and yeah, I just told her, like, I'm thinking about transitioning genders, and um, I would love to document it. I've known for a very long time I'm a fusion between boy and girl. I'm just stressing about not being feminine enough. For Andrea, it was important to capture how her Latinx culture influenced her gender transition. In most like traditional Latino families, I think that we have um, a really rigid conception of what it means to be a, a boy or a girl. And to be able to have folks see themselves and see futures that they might want to live into is um, vital. So there is definitely some, some fear around coming out specifically to my family, but even my dad like surprised me. He was like, I don't know why you're afraid to tell me this. You know, like I'm always gonna love you. Andrea hopes the series will both educate people and inspire a broader conversation about the trans and in particular trans Latinx experience. I hope that people walk away knowing that my story is just one of many, you know, that the trans community is not a monolith, the trans Latina community is not a monolith, like, we all have a lot of different experiences. I think mine was a very privileged one. For me, personally, it wasn't that I was a girl trapped in a boy's body, but rather a woman's self-discovery journey, you know, of being able to pick things up, choose what made sense, and letting go what didn't. Gen Z are the most open-minded generation yet when it comes to gender identity. Gen Zers were the most likely to say forms or online profiles should offer gender options beyond man and woman in a recent study. Gen Z has come a long way since the Kylie Jenner lip challenges of yesteryear. But the Tide Pod Challenge youths would have never achieved this level of enlightenment if it hadn't been for trailblazers within the community. Grand Illness is a digital storytelling project really dedicated to telling the stories and experiences of folks that identify as Latinx, Afro-Latinx, Black and queer and trans, but also uplifting and amplifying culture and history. Gran Barones comes from the name El Gran Baron, the famous salsa song by Willie Colon about a father struggling to accept his child and then losing that child to a mysterious disease. I was so bewildered by the fact that I had never heard the song in the context of queer history in media or in AIDS history. 
Telling inclusive stories about the AIDS epidemic is a top priority for Gramarones. If you were to type in LGBT right now, you were to type in activism AIDS, you're gonna see white people. You're not gonna see black people, you're not gonna see Latinx people, you're not gonna get that. I tested HIV positive in 2005. So for me, it is personal about elevating all of the history. So with Gramarones, it's about how do we elevate that history that sometimes is painful, but to remind folks doing HIV work who may not be around today, whose stories don't get Gravarones hopes their work encourages other LGBTQ people to take storytelling into their own hands. We thought that it would be temporary, and then over the last seven years, it's grown from this small project yeah, to a national project. We hope that we inspire others to begin to tell their stories and create projects that are centering their local communities or community, all of the communities that they're a part of. But even as we move in promising directions, the murder of trans people in the U.S reached a record high in 2020. And those numbers only worsen when we look at countries where homosexuality itself is still deeply stigmatized or even considered a crime. Many transgender people who seek refuge outside of their home country do so as a matter of life and death. Doubt about, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the passing of Roxana Hernandez in 2018, Joanna Medina, in uh, 2019. Before them, we had Victoria Arellano in 2007 also. They're all trans immigrant women. They're all seeking asylum, seeking protection at the U.S.-Mexico border. And what they found instead was their death. We are, you know, being very clear about what the demands are. And the demands with the entrance detention campaign are, you know, to end, you know, to release trans people, right, in detention, people living with HIV and any medical condition because uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement, uh, ICE, uh, Customs Border Patrol, they really don't have the capacity to, to keep people safe and hold, you know, their dignity and humanity. We have a very big responsibility now that we have supposedly a friendly administration to challenge them further. There's no question that educating ourselves about LGBTQ history helps us be better allies. But since most of that history has been notably absent from our education system, the community often looks to other forms of storytelling to see themselves represented. And today, Visibility in film and television seems to be at an all-time high. I started acting in high school and then decided that acting was what I had to do. And I booked little TV things here and there and then Generation came about and I booked that. It's about uh, queer kids in high school. Uh, they're all brought together through this GSA, um, which is the Gay Straight Alliance. It's just takes a little peek into everyone's life and how they all connect with each other. Jay, he's the fun guy in the group, but he's also a very reliable, good friend. I always say I'm like, I wish I had him as a friend when I had been in high school. What do you think is still lacking when it comes to LGBTQ representation? I think where it, personally, where it needs to start um, is having more LGBTQ people in the writer's room. 
more queer people making queer characters and having these queer voices in the room because they're the ones speaking from experience and making making it authentic. Like, yes, the actors are the ones who bring it to life, but it has to start with the writing of these characters. Authentic portrayals of LGBTQ people are essential to lessening the stigma against them. Much of the progress the community's made is because of people brave enough to share their stories. I was living as a freelancer in New York City, just trying to make ends meet. And a friend of mine who worked at Grindr's new outlet called Into, and for those of you who don't know, Grindr is a sort of gay dating app. Um, so it was kind of absurd for them to be hosting an advice column. And I was like, okay, cool. And I thought it would be so funny to sort of flip that around and make that almost a Dear Abby type situation. And what if Abby was a gay Mexican man? But because it got pushed on the app, which is a really a global um, phenomenon, I was getting letters from people from all over the world, and a lot of them were very serious. At that point, decided to start taking my job more seriously as well, and that's sort of how Ola Papi came about and became kind of funny, but at the same time very earnest and heartfelt. So the memoir and essays that I wrote that is based on the column is very much about that, about being sort of put in this accidental mentorship authoritative place where it's suddenly like people are turning to you for advice. The book is very much about just how complicated it can be. It's sort of about me looking at my past experiences, like, okay, but remember when you overcame heartbreak, or remember when you were bullied and you sort of got over it? I'm very upfront about not really being sure if I have the necessary qualifications to give someone else advice. But I think in doing that, I'm able to embrace something that's very human, which is this idea that none of us are really fully 100% confident in who we are or what we're capable of all the time. And I think once we acknowledge that, we can have really fruitful conversations about how to make things better for ourselves and how we can maybe heal from things that have happened to us, how we can treat ourselves a little bit better. For Latinxes, the emphasis we place on la familia is a pretty universal aspect of our culture. But within the LGBTQ community, things can get complicated when family members aren't initially receptive to a child who's come out. Thankfully, there's always emancipation. I mean, chosen family. We're here at our house in Wynwood during Pride Month, and we're about to sit down with the queen of their hour herself, Athena Dion. Can you tell me about this pageant? Well, first of all, it's Pride Month, so there's a million different events going around all over the country. And here specifically at our house, we're located in Wynwood, and Wynwood has a Pride celebration. So, you know, there's usually with the Prides, there's drag pageants. So this gives the community opportunity to come together and, you know, pick a new queen. We have judges, all the girls come out, and it's really a great time for the community to kind of get together before all the party festivities kick off um, on the weekends. You've come a long way in your 10-year journey. I mean, you have, you have your own company now, Dream yeah. Queens. It started off as a humanitarian um, thing that we were doing. I was invited to go to the Jackson Memorial Hospital Burn Center um, by a nurse that was working there, and they wanted to do a glam day for the children that have suffered burns. Heart-wrenching. And to be honest with you, I was supposed to go and teach them makeup, but I felt like I was the one that left learning something bigger than I ever imagined. So I got a group of drag queens together. We started going to um, the women's shelters. We did the toy drives for the, um, the shelters down in Homestead. And then from then on, I was like, okay, so I have these group of drag queens that are really wanting to get involved in the community. I was like, all right, let's see if we can take it to another level. So I started doing corporate parties and house parties and baby showers and weddings, and all these things. I was like, okay, we can make a company out of this. So I have the Dream Queen. So it's local girls that are getting work and 
bringing drag to places where you probably wouldn't have ever expected to see it before. Tell me about your drag family. In the gay world, a lot there unfortunately is still a lot of stigma attached to being gay, that a lot of families do not accept children that come out to them. And, you know, when you are kind of trying to live your truth and you have this thing that you can't hide and you can't be in your home, you're going to go out and you're going to try to find other members of a chosen family. And here in Miami, you know, I found a, a bunch of young adults that, um, you know, were not living their truth at home and we all kind of found each other. We all share similar interests, which is drag and performing this and that. And that's kind of like how our family organically grew. And they are the fiercest bitches in town, you know what I mean? And we really... We really help each other, we uplift each other, um, we're there for each other, and I think that's what helps our drag grow, our business grow. It's really a beautiful thing to have that kind of support system that you never thought you were going to have, and to be doing it all while you're living your truth. It's a really beautiful combination. So you're part of the Dion family, yeah. and what has that been like? What does it mean to be a Dion? We really do value the way we look and our presentability and our professionalism, and I think that's exactly what like, being a Dion is, like a professional who looks good and, you know, is always kind to everyone they meet. All of my sisters and my mother slash grandmother, no, I don't say that publicly, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they've all like really helped me out and like have been there for me and supported me. It's just like having a real family. I don't need anyone else. I don't care about who has this to say about me because I know that I have my family and like they're always going to have my back and I have their back. I'm very, very, very blessed. It sometimes feels like honoring pride in the month of June has devolved into a corporate war of wokeness as opposed to a celebration of how far the communities come and what's at stake. With at least 17 anti-LGBTQ bills enacted into law in 2021 alone, worldwide marches and celebrations for LGBTQ equality continue with good reason. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.